Loaded bases, Tyler Jeske. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, just trying to finish this day up. It's been a long, long day, per usual. Yeah, no, I feel you. It's, uh, you know, especially I'm in Pittsburgh right now, and it's cold. and. Oh, yeah, same. I, I'm like, what? why did I move back to Pittsburgh? Like, this is not the this was not one of my better ideas in life. Like, but at the same time, it's the, one of the best ideas I've ever had. And it's just like, holy smokes. Where'd you move from? Uh, so I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. So okay. just two hours west, like Northwest. And Boy, um, isn't it cold? I'm like, isn't it cold in Cleveland though right now? Yeah, it's cold in Cleveland. Like I just, like I haven't actually lived in Cleveland full time since graduating college. Oh, wow. Um, so that then with how 2020 is rolled out, like <laughs> ended up having to decide, Hey, like, where do I want to make home base? on a exactly. So what exactly do you do? What is your, what is your many job titles? Um, so like my full-time job is minor league hitting coach with the Los Angeles angels spent the 2019 season in the AZL out in Arizona. So, um, that's my primary job. Like that's my number one focus. And then, um, with my move to Pittsburgh, it was, Hey, where do I want to make my long-term home? Where do I want to have like my off season home base that I can consistently go back to? I, I think my career, had taken, made me nomad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I, P- Pennsylvania was a state I was born in mm-hmm. and my mom was actually moving out of Cleveland. So, and she was the only family I had in Cleveland. Like we had moved there because of her work when I was a kid. So it's not like my grandma's there or yeah. like, it was just her. So that she had always been like the reason I came back to Cleveland and considered Cleveland home. And so then she moved to Philadelphia and I'm kind of trying to figure out, okay, like where do I want to have my home base? And I had a friend that I met actually through Twitter, um, Chase Rowe, Chase Rowe. He run, he's the head coach of LaRoche college. And then he had joined the Tigers. 2020 oh, wow. was going to be his, yes, yeah, 2020 was going to be his first season. <laughs> yeah. And he'd, been, he'd been the head coach at La, Division Three La, La Roche College. Um, in the, I believe the locals call it the North Hills mm-hmm. part of Pittsburgh, and we're north of the city. And he'd been the head coach there for a long time and then ran a travel organization called the Pittsburgh Spikes. And he basically said, hey, dude, I'm thinking – of opening up a facility what are you like what are you doing with your life and i'm like well you know as a matter of fact i'm trying to figure out like where do i want to have my like off-season home yeah and so pretty much fell right into you that's like a the the pittsburgh thing kind of fell right into me it started with a dm from chase probably three years ago, honestly, because he, he first DM'd me about 
slugfest when I first started it saying, hey, mm-hmm. where is Springfield, Missouri? <laughs> what airport should I fly into if I'm going to come? And I told him, well, you know, Springfield has a small airport. And a lot of people pointed that out to me, like, hey, like, Springfield's a small airport. <laughs> There's not a lot of direct flights. It's more expensive because it's small planes. Yep, definitely. And, but it was like, hey, like Tulsa is two hours. Kansas City is two hours. And he ended up not coming. And he was mad at me for not recording and having videos of it. So then <laughs> Slugfest in 2019 rolls around and he DMs me and goes, hey, man, like, are the are you going to record it this year? And I said, absolutely. Your, your message a year ago is actually like a big part of why. And it was obvious like that that is a thing. It's just and like ideas like bounce off on each other and then you just got to do it. Exactly. So like it had just, we developed this Twitter DM back and forth of like throwing ideas back and forth at yeah. each other. And then like COVID hits and the shutdown happens and we start talking more and more and just like, cause we're both at home and yeah. trying to pass the time. And then over the summer, came over to Pittsburgh and hung out with him a few times and got to know, got to know like the people working for him with the Pittsburgh spikes. And so then when he started saying, Hey, like I'm thinking of pulling the trigger on opening a facility mm-hmm. and like, what would your interest level be? And I, I was like, well, you know, my mom's moving to Philadelphia, so I have no reason to stay in Cleveland. Like she was the only reason that kept me coming back to Cleveland. What do you got? And so we just started like kind of like planning this thing out and like bouncing ideas off of each other and then one day i went on apartments.com and i go hey i just did a six-month lease that's going to take me from right now when spring training 2021 is scheduled to start so yeah let's go damn um came out here the end of august and then had to leave had to leave for six weeks to go to instructional league with the angels and then got back right around like, I think it was like November 13th, 14th or something like that. Um, and have been out here ever since. And so it's like, it's been a great setup. Like I'm sitting here, you know, like we have our, you know, like we have off season projects with the angels yeah. on planning for 2021 and trying to build on, like how do we continue to get better? But I bet it. I bet it would be kind of hard to plan for twenty twenty one because you. I mean, because we don't even know if there's going to be like a delay on how it was last year or anything like that. Or, yeah. or do you have some insight in saying that there will be? I just stopped reading the news. <laughs> hey, that that's what you got to do. Like. I think it was like June where I just stopped reading the news. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Like, Good. Like things keep changing by the day. Like, well, since June, there's been a lot of stuff, a lot of crazy things happening in this, in this world. <laughs> so uh, you no, are, but so yeah, no, it's been um, like right now it's, I'm hanging out and like, 
can work like work on whatever I need to with the angels. And then at the mm -hmm. same time, I'm able to kind of go, like I go to this facility every day and I'm able to work with kids, high school players, youth players, college players who are home. We have some pro guys that come in and work out. So like the kind of the way I like describe this facility is like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like how they run yes. We're running a baseball facility, but it's like a hangout and a think tank. And so like we get to like, just go hang out and like talk baseball. And yeah. I view it as like a great opportunity for myself. Cause like, I'm still a young coach. I'm still yep. like, I'm only 30. This is 2020. Dude, you have lots of time. Yeah. Ne like, network and just do your thing. Like 2020 would have been my second year officially coaching full-time professionally with the angels. And so it's really just a way to number one, like continue to get better. Yeah. Continue to develop myself. But then on top of that, it's a way to get back to the youth game and help youth players and try to just grow our game through youth baseball at the grassroots level of just giving back the time and the mm -hmm. ability to coach kids like and i like at the same time though like coaching kids is a completely different animal from coaching oh professional hitters. guaranteed there's a i mean say from the understanding that i had on hitting like when i was 12 compared to like what i have now Man, I mean, big difference. Big difference. No, and so I mean, like the kids make the kid like the kids have made me a better coach. Mm -hmm. um, and it really comes down to just like you're not dealing with elite athletes. Like you're dealing with kids who just like number one, like some of them, hey, like. I just want to be able to make my high school team and play with my friends. Yep. Some of them, like, they really want to be, they want to go play division one. They want to go, they want to play professionally. Like those are their aspirations. And like, that's what they're working towards and they're in there every day. And then I think like in the back of it too, you have kids who like baseball is like their outlet. Like that is their, yep that is their safe space that is their place to completely like get away from everything else in real life and that's all that is what it is for me so i'm just, i can i can totally understand with that one no like i mean that's what it was for me growing up like baseball was always i mean like i grew up in a single parent home my mom is I, our, same thing yeah, like my mom was by far my biggest influence. And yep. she worked really, really hard to make sure that I, we, like we lived in a good neighborhood and a good, you know, grew up in Avon Lake, Ohio. It's a top, nationally ranked top 500 high school. Like she worked really hard to ensure that I got that kind of education. But like, baseball was always my safe space. I mean, like, mm -hmm. even, like when, so like when you approached me to say, Hey, like you want to come on this podcast and share your story? I'm like, 
who like what is my story like what do yeah. i want to talk about am i am i supposed to get on here and like just start forest gumping it you know or dude like, you could honestly this is your episode man like i mean because i think like one of the things that like comes to mind for me is like as coaches like and baseball podcasts for like coaching like we get on there and usually it's like this a plus c plus yep a plus b plus c equals d formula like hey like i want you to come on here i want you to talk about this and then yeah I go, see i think that 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 right there is just it's just i mean like everyone everyone in coaching has their ideas on how the game is played but i mean but how did they come about those ideas and why do they use those ideas because somehow they got there to be in that spot and i think like that's one of like i view it as like right now is like one of the most like i still consider myself a young coach one of the right now is one of the most oh, for sure right now is one of the most exciting times to be a young coach but also probably one of the hardest times because yeah it is this learning process of like development is such a plus b plus c equals d formula yep and it's like we jump on and like number one like i haven't done enough yet like i haven't accomplished that much like my resume isn't very good but like so like you know generally like the format of a podcast right like hey you know, what's your background? And I get on here and go, you know, Hey, you know, I'm Tyler Jeske. I'm from Avon Lake, Ohio. Um, that's too mainstream. Yeah. Like I I'm from Avon Lake, Ohio. You know, I started off as a video intern in 2011 with the Cleveland Indians. And I did that throughout college. And then I graduated in 2013 and, and I was with doing the coaching and scouting video with the Indians double A team. And then after graduating from the university of Akron, I went to, Mississippi State for the 2014 season as a graduate assistant. And then I go, and then, so I'm at Mississippi State, it's an SEC school as a GA. And we built out like this video, like we built out a whole video room and kind of yeah. like went all in on like setting the standard for what technology data and all that can, how much value that can bring for collegiate program and then I went back to the Indians to go down to the Dominican Republic in the summer of 2014 and then that led me to the Texas Rangers where I was an assistant in international operations and then so I do that for a year so I spent a year and a half in the Dominican Republic and then I'm like you know what it's time to come live in the United States again yeah. in the Dominican Republic like it's hard down there it's a completely different life. Like you're cut off from your friends and family. So I go to Missouri state for three years. We have a nice run there. I start slugfest and the angels hire me. And now two years later, two years later, going on three years now, I'm a minor league hitting coach with the angels. Like that's boring. Like, and there's yeah. not that many accomplishments in there. Like what have I really done that makes like what I have to share in super See, What? So, like, as we were talking about earlier, like, before we hit record, uh, that you actually quit baseball right after high school. 
Yeah. So, and I want to know why, like, wh- okay. So how, so how can someone just quit and then now you're coached professionally? So See, like, those are stories I want to hear. Like the, the, this is like two of the, it's actually, I tried to quit baseball twice. Ooh. So I grew up in a single parent home. Like my mom, my parents have been divorced since I was four years old. So I really have no memory of like my parents being together. My dad's mm-hmm. lived out of state for essentially my entire life. And he's moved around really like, I mean, he lived in Philadelphia, Connecticut, Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown, Ohio is the closest I really have any memory of my dad living with me. Like in relation to my mom and I, because we've lived in Avon Lake, Ohio since I was nine months old. Like, and then then he moves to Detroit, Chicago was mixed in there at some point. And then now he's been in Syracuse for New York for a long time. So it's like my dad, like growing up, my dad has always been like a flight away. Like I've been flying, like I was flying alone to go see my dad for as long as I can remember. So um, growing up in a single parent home and like actually in, so the first time I tried to quit baseball was second grade. Um, our neighbor, our neighbor, kind of our neighbor, the kid, like the kids were the, the older one was great ahead of me. The younger one is great behind me. The dad was always like our coach, like T-ball coach pitch. We get into like kid pitch and the dad was always the coach. And he always just treated me like his third son. Right. Yep. And he passed away in a car accident on St. Patrick's Day when I was in second grade. And I remember telling my mom, like, no, I want to be done. Like, I don't want to play baseball. Like, that was my coach. Like, yeah, he's not even coaching me. So I go, okay, like, my mom's like, no, you're playing. Like, you are absolutely playing. And I'm like, like, I mean, it was like, like, this was a bit like, second like, grade Tyler Jeske, this was like a big issue. And I'm like, well, that is a big issue. Yeah. And so. I mean, if you look back on it, hey, that is like one of those moments in your life like where it's just like, yeah, like like if I would have actually quit because of this event, I mean, everything happens for a reason. It's all different ways like to plug in. That's, that's what's funny about it is I like, I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, mom really knew best. Like, yeah. So then I get to high school and I'm all in on baseball, like all in, it's all I do. I played hockey too, but I was the backup goalie on the hockey team. <laughs> I kept the back, I jumped, played ranchers in my pants. <laughs> all I did was open the door for like when we were changing lines. Like I had zero <laughs> intention on playing, zero. I was like, I just did it as like, hey, like this is great eye hand, it's a great way to like, Oh yeah, for sure. Workout and I had fun. Like that was the only like I actually was in uh, Blue Mountain State with like out like with the character Alex where he's like the backup quarterback. And, like, <laughs> yes. That was me as the backup goalie for our high school hockey team. Hey, we had a- say my I would love being a bullpen catcher or a so yeah a bullpen catcher or a third string quarterback. So yes. Third string quarterback, unless you're with the Browns, 
<laughs> you're set because if you're with the Browns, like yes, you're exactly. Going to play at some point until exactly. I, but um, no, and then like really when I quit baseball again was um, like we have a very strong military history in my family. And mm-hmm. so I went like junior year of high school rolls around and I'm starting to think about colleges and I hone in on the service academies and on my mom's side of the family, like West Point had been like a generational tradition. Mm-hmm. And I really like, this is the height of the Iraq and the Afghanistan war. So I, like, yeah. West Point, the army, like it had never, like growing up, it, like my mom's house is growing up, like we were two blocks from Lake Erie. So like the water had always been a huge part of my life. And yeah. like going to the, like the lake and all that. So I'm like, I had my sights set on the Naval Academy and knew I wasn't good enough to play at the Naval Academy. Um, but I, cause I wanted to be the Marine Corps. And so, and then through the process of like researching the service academies, the Coast Guard Academy comes up and this is 2009 where I graduated high school. And so I get an appointment to the Coast Guard Academy and I'm going to be on the baseball team there. Uh, And I'm like, perfect. Like this is set. Like Guardian Guardian just came out, Ashton Kutcher, like that's going to be me. (laughs) I'm going to be Ashton Kutcher, like in the guardian. This is like game over. Like my life's set. Like, and so I get, I actually get the Coast Guard Academy. Like most people don't even know it's, it's they compete in division three. Yep. New London, Connecticut, right across from. I actually, I actually knew that uh, because I actually looked into the uh, Coast Guard Academy as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's right across from the East Coast Naval Submarine Station. So, like, it's a gorgeous setup. Like, you're on on the river. You have the Navy subs going by. And the whole atmosphere. Great atmosphere. And so I get out there in summer of 2009 for the summer training. They call it Swab Summer. And, I mean, it's like it's essentially boot camp, right? Like you are being indoctrinated into the military. I mean, like you're in the military at this point, like you're no longer your civilian self. And we end at, it's funny cause like COVID hits, which that's not funny. Like COVID's not funny, but like I reflect back on this and that summer um, was when swine flu hit. Oh, yep. And we had an outbreak. We were one of the first oh, outbreaks. We were one of the first outbreaks in the United States. And I'm one of the cases. There's like 50 of us. Like we were, we oh, actually, the infirmary, like the naval, the navy supplied all the medical for the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. So the naval infirmary at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Like they ran out of beds. They were having to like convert dorms into quarantine. Damn. There was four, like there's four of us. There's, I think, I think it was four. We took a, we were on a lot of meds at that point. Like 
but there's four of us in this room that was converted into like a makeshift, essentially like hospital room. Yeah. And like, it was like, I joke now, I'm like, number one, I recovered. But like, I had to call my mom and she calls me and she's like, why are you calling me? Like, you're not supposed to be calling me for like another six weeks. Like, well, mom, I'm calling you because I'm in the hospital with swine flu. And she's like, that's not funny. You're joking. Like, no, seriously. I'm, and I'm like, no, like, yeah, I'm like, no, mom, like, I am legitimately in the hospital. I have swine flu. And like, at this point, and she's a, she's a television producer. She, uh-huh. she, she does health. So she's like, she's always locked into like this type of thing. Yeah. And she's like, no, like that's not really in the United States. Like that's just happening. Like, no, like, believe me, mom, it's happening. There's this is, this is the first case and uh, you're hearing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Like we had, and like, there was like, and like the CDC comes and interviews us because like they were tech, like, they never said they were testing the treatment, but they were kind of like honest about like, we don't fully know how to treat this. And like the CDC, like they come and like they're interviewing us and they're saying, Hey, you know, like we're getting ready to present to Congress. And I'm like, and I'm just being me where I'm like, Hey, like we've been out of popsicles for three days. My throat's really sore. Like yeah. I'm not breathing well. So, is it, so here's another small world thing. So because you and your group got, got swine flu, me over in Washington state, somehow I went through swine flu too. So thank you for bringing that into the U S and spreading it. You know, (laughs) um, it was quite the time. Uh, I bet. So like mine turns into pneumonia. So I ended up spending almost three weeks in the hospital and at the time though, like we don't know anything about it. Right. Yeah. But like, it actually caused like a really good opportunity for like personal reflection. And I'm like, I kind of sold out. Like I really wanted to do the Marine Corps. I wanted to do the Naval Academy. I got caught up in the coast, like going to the Coast Guard Academy. I'm picturing myself as Ashton Kutcher in the Guardian. And I just really want to keep playing baseball, but like, I really wanted to be in the Marine Corps. Like that's what I wanted to do. So I leave. Yeah. I leave. And I go back home to I'm like Ohio. I'm living at home with my mom and kind of like figuring it out. I'm looking in. Okay. Like, do I want to do ROTC? Um, the Coast Guard Academy actually ended up offering like, Hey, if you enroll in junior college and maintain your grades, you can come back and start over and get like a clean slate. Uh, so I'm just like weighing all these different options and I'm like, no, like this clarity that I got as the result of having three weeks in a hospital to yep. reflect on life. Like my heart is in the Marine Corps and that coincides with president Obama announcing, Hey, we're going to be doing a troop surge in Afghanistan. And so I go, okay, like, I'm gonna go talk to the Marine recruiter. And he, like, we sit down and talk and he ba- like basically outlined it. He goes, look, like, 
the like there's a troop surge right now they need bodies to go to afghanistan and what are your thoughts i'm like i'm in like that's why you join the military at this point like you're not joining the military like our country has been at war for almost 10 years at this point you don't join with the intention of like i'm just trying to get like a free ride to college like you're joining exactly you join knowing like okay like you're yep. probably going to go into combat because so like what do you want to do and this was before the hurt locker so i swear i was not like just trying to like busy <laughs> myself as the hurt you, locker you are living off movies right now you're I, so i'm like <laughs> so i'm like well like long term like i think it'd be like because that's like the closer in baseball i played goalie in hockey like exactly yeah who walks up to the bomb and dismantles that like that's like being Mariano Rivera, but like, if you and, fail, you uh, don't really. Yeah, and like, you don't, like, you don't pitch tomorrow. You you're done. Yeah, no, like you fail at that one, like, and so I'm like, that's what I want to do. And he's like, well, like, short term, that's not really an option for you. And he goes like, and through like going to the Coast Guard Academy, I was like, look, like, you could have a real shot of like if you sign up with the understanding of like, you're going to deploy as infantry, basic infantry, like you're going to deploy to combat. Like you come, you'll come back. Like you'll, will your training will all be lined up to where you're part of the troop surge and you'll come back from deployment and you would have a real shot at going to the Naval Academy at, from the enlisted ranks. And so I go, okay, let's do it. And I remember calling my mom and she's like, are you sure? <laughs> Realize like you are literally signing up to go to war. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, and I'm an only, like my, I'm the only child. Like my, my mom's the only kid. And so she's like, it's an awkward, like. Dude, call. we, you, you and I are, we're actually a lot like in that aspect and say because i'm an only child too and single parent damn dude yeah like okay so i i know what you mean so and she goes and like i think like this is when like my definition of like what it truly means to like support someone fully yeah and she's like you've thought this through haven't you? i'm like absolutely and she goes okay then i support you and so I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And by this time, like Christmas is approaching and it's the surge is announced. And I leave like right after the new year, I go down to Paris Island and month in everything's going great. Like I joke, like I'm like, dude, boot camp's like the easiest time ever. Like you just do exactly <laughs> what you're told nothing more nothing less don't have to think you just you get three meals a day so like they, they feed you and like, yeah like they're feeding us and paris island is like an adventure of its own like <laughs> i mean but i get a month in and i get sick again and like because like they call it the recruit crook like everyone gets sick Yep. And I also swear, Paris Island, South Carolina, 
in the month of like January or early February is the coldest I've ever been. Like really? it was, it was miserably cold. Even, even colder than being in the Northeast. Absolutely. Like it was a different kind of cold. Oh, it's like the, the, the humid cold. It's a humid cold and it's just, you're so just you're yeah, your body. Oh, and Ugh. essentially have an asthma attack and Damn. have to be rushed to the hospital. And they're like, yeah, you're like, you have scar tissue in your lungs from the swine flu and pneumonia. Like you're undeployable. You're going to go home. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. Like this is changing. Well, shit. So yeah, this is changing life's course again. And I'm like, whew, okay. And when they send you like, so they fly you, like I, I distinctly remember like when you're leaving for boot camp, like they put you up the night before in a hotel in downtown Cleveland. It's a nice hotel. And then they have these vans that pick you up and you go to the MEP station in Cleveland and do like your final paperwork. And Damn. and they bus you over to the Cleveland air and like the MEP station is right by the airport. So you go over to the airport and we flew Delta. So you fly Cleveland to Atlanta and then like you have a layover in Atlanta. And there's a group of us and like, it's a group of us pretty much all in the same deal. Like, we all know like, Hey, like we're going to Afghanistan together and like we're all in the same boat. And so we, and then, you you know, you have your layover in Atlanta and then you get on another flight from Atlanta to Savannah. And then in Savannah, like the plane lands and like you walk out and like, that's where like they meet you and you get on the bus and then the bus takes you over to Paris Island and you end up on the yellow footprints. And so when they send you home though, they actually put you on a Greyhound bus from Paris Island, South oh, Carolina, damn. back to Cleveland, Ohio. And that's a long, that's a long trip. But yes. so I get home, I'm like, what do I do? And my high school coach is like, hey, just come help out. Like come help out the freshman team. Come like, do you know come help out the freshman team i'm working for the city i'm lining actually i'm lining the baseball fields and my mom and her infinite wisdom as soon as she knew i was coming home is it take like it took about two weeks to like get all the paperwork and like the doctors and all that so she knew i was coming home and she applied to the university of dayton for me and so i get to so i come home and She's like, hey, like I applied to the University of Dayton for you. And I'm like, I'm just pissed off at the world at this point. I don't know. I'm like, I'm angry. And she's yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll go there. Seemed like a good time. I liked it when we toured it in high school. I have friends there, like, okay. And then um, so I start coaching the high school baseball team. I'm the assistant freshman coach. And then that summer. It just leads to another one and another one. Yeah. So like I tell people, like, I never like, so I get to, so I get to the, I get to Dayton, but like that summer leading up to my freshman year at Dayton, the core of that freshman 
that Avon Lake High School freshman team had been playing on the same travel team and their coach, their coach, their 15 and under coach got relocated for work. So one of the dads calls me and I'm like, hey, would you be interested in like being the head coach for the rest of the summer? And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing better. Like, yeah, like this is what I want to do. I yeah. want to be like, because you go back to like that second grade experience growing up in a single parent home, like baseball had always been my outlet. Like baseball had been. It will always be there for you. My coaches have always provided me with like that, like dad figure. I mean, like exactly. my mom, my mom actually agreed to build a batting cage in our backyard. And one of my best friends quit baseball because he was really into hockey and his dad would come over and throw me batting practice and with me. And then, um, like another one of my friends' dads, like was really into like working out. So he was all like through the sport of baseball provided me with like that steady, like rock to always. And my mom was like working a lot. Like she worked yep. a ton. I was on my own. So baseball was always like that focal point that kept me on track, kept me out of trouble. And yeah, so, dude, I, it, it, it's the same. I like the more, and say like as you like talk about it it kind of like brings up like in my head so like uh so back in the day uh so because i wanted to be a pitcher and and my mom's like all right well then uh let's go across the street to the uh school and you can uh pitch to me and i'm like uh i'm not too sure if this is a good idea and then she's like you know what what can go wrong so then so then we brought a chair and then she would sit on the chair and then I would just pitch to her. And that's how, like, I mean, like, cause I had n- no one else to pitch to. And then she was like, you know what? Screw it. But then I guess, but then like, as I got older, I learned how to, uh, you know, throw a curve and I would bury it and it would hit off her shins. And she was like, I'm done. Like, they're, <laughs> like you gotta go like no way. So that's yeah. when tra- travel ball and select ball started. Exactly. And so, um, like I'm coaching this, like I'm at the university of Dayton and I'm like, okay, like I want to, I don't like, I'm not even thinking professional baseball. Like I want to be a high school math teacher and I want to be a high school math teacher and coach a high school summer team travel team. And what ends up happening though is I'm like sitting in my dorm room one morning bored. I've watched everything on Netflix. It might've been a Sunday morning after like a fun weekend out Dude. where like I just didn't feel like getting out of bed. Best for, ideas come from those. I'm telling you. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Like this is like the hangover that changed my life. And <laughs> yes. So I see this, I'm like looking for summer jobs and I see this job posting for the Cleveland Indians and it's as a minor league video intern. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like this is the perfect way to learn more about baseball from like professionals that will ultimately serve me long-term helping out like as I try to be a high school coach and exactly. what's funny is like, I had no idea what I was getting into, like zero. <laughs> and so I, 
apply. Um, Frank Villata, um, he's like, he's the assist, the Indian's like assistant director of video operations. He calls me and does a phone interview and then called me back a few days later. It's like, hey, you got the job. We want you to work in Akron. And I'm like, okay, perfect. This is going to be awesome. And so I start, and I'm a friend, like I'm 20 years old. I'm a freshman at University of Dayton and I just started like skipping school to like go work homestands, like starting in April. Yep. And act like absolutely fell in love with like, and that's the first time I got introduced to like, I mean, like this is when like technology and analytics and it's all getting started. FX, like pitch FX and all that's coming out. And so I start like, I fall in love with like the, the intellectual side of the professional game and then 2013 rolls around and Luis Ortiz, now the Rangers major league hitting coach, is one of the roving coordinators for the Indians. And he had, like he my like the video room in Akron always served as like the coordinator or rover mm-hmm. locker area. And so it was like that made it even better because so you just got to pick brains and like Alan Zinner yeah. Alan Zinner was he he's the he's the Reds major league hitting coach now he was a hitting coordinator then um and he like would always come in and like spend time with me talking hitting and it was just like it was a really really cool experience and Luis comes in the one day and goes, Hey, what do you got on this hitter? And I like give him the breakdown and he looks at me and goes, okay, like I can tell you're holding back. What, what's really in your head? Those answers are too safe. And I get it. I, so I like break it down. I'm like, yeah, you know, like it's really a front side move. And like he loses his front hip and pulling off and like his timing isn't great. And, He's like, you know a thing or two about hitting. And like, so that starts like this relationship. And then yep. he, I love it. And then he's like, so that just starts this back and forth relationship every time he came into town. And then Jose Ramirez was on the team at the time. And everyone knows who Jose Ramirez is. Oh, yeah. The time, like, he wasn't a big international sign and he didn't speak like a lick of English at the time. And Luis gets this idea of like, you're going to be his personal English buddy. So like, you're going to sit down with him every day. You're going to do Rosetta Stone and. Dang. Like try to teach Jose Ramirez English. And my mom jokes about it now. Cause like she would still watch like every Indians game. And she's <laughs> like, anytime like Jose would get interviewed, she's like, man, you really did a good job. He's still using his interpreter interpreter. And I'm like, you know, it's not like I was an English teacher. <laughs> like, so, but then I graduate from Akron. I leave the Indians and go to Mississippi State. And like that came about because I saw like, hey, like the SEC network is going to launch. Yeah. Like, the, this is going to change how teams are able to do reports. This technology, like track man is starting to go into college ballparks. Like, so I emailed pretty much every SEC school except for Vanderbilt because I knew academically Vanderbilt as a grad program probably wasn't for me. 
And Mississippi State was really the only one who was like, hey, like, let's talk. And so I go there and Coach Cohen, he's the athletic director at Mississippi State now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. Like he completely, like he was forward thinking, he was creative. I would not trade that, that experience in the world. And, but then Luis calls me and goes, Hey, like got this idea of trying to get some of like what you're capable of doing down in the Dominican Republic. What do you got? I'm like, huh, you have your whole life to do grad school. Like I'm single. DR it is. Like, let's go. So we lose, like our season ends at Mississippi State. We lose in the regional to Lafayette, Louisiana. And I pack up my apartment into my Nissan Sentra, drive home to Cleveland and get on a flight to Santo Domingo. And then that leads to the Texas job. And this whole time, the Luis is like, dude, you're going to end up coaching. And I'm like, nah, like, People who didn't play, like, that's not really an option. Like, I'm thinking, like, I want to scout. Say, I've – I actually have the the opinion, and it's – I mean, I could be biased on it, but some of the greatest coaches never played. It – Luis is, like, the one, like, message he always had to me was, like, dude, you've been in a double-A clubhouse since you were 20 years old. Like, you got to learn – from like some of the best. I mean, and and in double A, that's where a lot of like the top prospects are at. And oh, like the that 2013 Akron team, like the infield was Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Giovanni yeah. Urshela, Jesus Aguilar. Like that's, you look around, and, that's a pretty good but, core group. So the extra infielder on that team was Matt Lawson, who is now the hitting coach at Missouri State. So 2015, so 2015, I get hired by the Rangers to like assistant in international operations. Gil Kim, now Toronto's director of player development, is the international scouting director. And I'm basically the guy on the ground living in the, living in the Texas complex, like running all the operations on a day-to-day basis. Like I'm, that, like I'm the boots on the ground guy. Yeah. I was burned out on the Dominican. Like I was ready to just like, I was burned. Like it was, I want to come back to America and I still love the Dominican Republic. Like I love it. Like, and so I leave the Rangers and I'm looking for jobs and Matt Lawson is at Missouri state and he's a graduate assistant. He had gone back as like to finish his degree. Mm -hmm. And he had been the extra infielder on those Akron teams in 2011, 12, 13. And he's like, dude, just come out here. And so I took the chance. I'm like, okay, like, let's go. And he's like, he's like, really? Like, I think like this is going to give you a really dynamic opportunity. And I'm like, you know, I did the SEC and like Missouri State, like they're coming off of hosting a regional going to a super regional that they should have hosted, yep. but because they share a stadium with the Springfield Cardinals, which is the Cardinals double-A team. They couldn't host the super regional, so they had to relocate it to Fayetteville, Arkansas. So, like, this program's good. And you look at, like, Coach Gutton, the head coach there, has been there 
Um, I mean, I joke with him that he's been there since Abner Doubleday. Hey. This ball. Like, I love, like, Coach Gutton is, like, one of, like, I still talk, I still make it a point to try to talk to him at least, like, once every two weeks, if not, like, like. It, oh. It's those people that, like, really make an impact like that, that you just, like, like that take that you got to make sure that you take time out like to talk he i mean you you look at the coach gutton i mean he went through a run of his first baseman at one point was matt matt sapicki played in the big leagues jason hart played in the big leagues ryan howard played in the big leagues bill miller played bill miller was third baseman like if sean markham brad ziegler yep um, actually for recruiting purposes, I looked this up. We, Miss, Missouri State University, in like a five year span, had had more first rounders than the University of Arkansas. Damn. And so we go, like, I go there for the 16, 2016 season, 2017 season. And then from there, while I was there, I, I had this idea of Slugfest in the back of my mind because I'm like, I want, like, I'm incredibly lucky. I got access to the right people. I got the opportunity to make the right connections and one thing led to another. So I want to give other young coaches and people that opportunity. And so I start Slugfest and like, that was literally like you starting this podcast, right? I said, screw it. Like, why not? Yep. And I just, I start sending texts to people that I knew. And I'm like, Hey, like I got this idea. What do you think? And like Dylan Lawson had just left Mizzou to go to the Astros. And Dylan's like, dude, this is a really good idea. Like, let's do it. And then he talked to Jeff Albert. And then I taught, like, I would talk to Luis Ortiz and like, before we knew it, okay, like, we have a core of speakers and, to like pull off a hitting event and but I mean it like it was like me sitting down and starting like my own LLC opening a business bank account what's the website gonna look like okay like yep. now I need to get sponsors but like it all came down to like why not like what's holding me back why not exactly. just like say and that's what a lot of people struggle with is that they have the that they have an idea but they're scared to do it because they don't know like what's going to happen. But I mean, what, what big, great things happen because people know what's going to happen or, I mean, you, you don't know, you don't know. Let's try. So I start that and I start getting, and I'm like, okay, like, how am I going to market this? And like our GA, Jeff Jimenez and I are sitting in my office one morning and we're joking, like, because the hitting coach in 2000 at Missouri state in 2016 and 17 had been Nate Thompson. And he gets, we go to stuff 17 season. We go to the Fayetteville regional beat Arkansas in bomb stadium. We get to dogpile. <laughs> that is the like, best. There is nothing like you talk about like, one of the coolest moments is when you're that mid-major school who walks into a very hostile SEC environment 
in silences over 12,000 Razorback fans. I mean, and to not be, able to the whole- dude, I mean, like to, to be able to be in a dog pile because you won something in the SEC, that's huge. It, dude, it was, and I joke with, so Nate gets hired by Arkansas following that season. He becomes <laughs> the hitting coach recruiting coordinator there. And so I joke with him because like, 2018, 2019, obviously 2012. Like, they've gotten a dog pile. And I'm like, Nate, you realize, like, you have, like, the highest streak of dog piles for regional <laughs> championships. Anyone right now? Because you went from Missouri State in 2017, and then you become a Razorback. And, Jumping shit. Um, like, Nate's one, Nate's one of my best friends. And so it starts to become obvious. So, like, hey, like, team, like, I'm starting to, like, realizing I'm going to get the opportunity to coach professionally and go through the interview process with multiple teams and ultimately settle, like not settle, but like I couldn't be more fired up about being with the angels. Like I, it's been incredible experience. I so happy and like go through 2019. It's my first year and like incredibly like Damon Mayshore, who is our hitting coordinator, like could not have asked for like a better mentor, mm-hmm. like to lean on and learn from. So we go through the 2019 season and like, I'm fired up. Like we're going into 2020 and I'm fired up and COVID hits. And this, yeah. like, this, this is where yeah. everything comes forward. Say how, how, how was it to, to just be told like, uh, we're done for the season. So just go home and wait. I mean, I don't think like no one knew what was happening. Right. So like, it was like, Hey, don't come to work tomorrow. <laughs> and then come to work, we'll like, we'll let you know. And then don't come to work the next day. And then finally it was like, Hey, like if the Los Angeles Angels are the only re- your only reason to be in the state of Arizona, like just go home go home and I'm so I keep my apartment I was supposed to be in the AZL again so I have a I have a lease through September on an apartment Ryan Parker who is our coordinator of hitting analysis he's my roommate in Arizona and like we have a lease through the end of the year like the end Dang. of the season and so I just like take stuff home figuring okay like you know we'll be back in a couple weeks and obviously like a couple weeks turn into a month, a month turns into two months. And then obviously it's like, okay, like the minor league season is not happening. And, yep. uh, and this is where like it comes full circle. It's like my mom, like, and this is like one of the funny things too, is I'm like, people get on pod and they're like, okay, like who are your biggest influences? I'm like, it's my mom. Yeah. Like, so she like, you know, and like, it's always like those safe answers of like, like this group of coaches and like these people. And I'm like, no, like my number one influence is my mom. Her name's Kay. And it's funny because she's a television producer. Yep. And despite like, she's very artistic, very talented. And like, but the parallels between like her creative process and like the process of being a hitting coach are very similar. And it's funny because like, she has eight Emmy Awards. She's, oh damn! She's won, but 
they didn't actually come until she was like she'd been an on she'd been a reporter on camera i come around i ruined that like so i ruined my mom's on camera career so she gave up like her on camera career for me she yeah. becomes a producer and she was doing files like the show forensic Dang. files like on netflix she was like she was producing forensic files and i'm starting to get older and she's like i'm gone too much and she comes up with this process like her and a group of her friends like in television come up with this idea of like she's a health like science and health is her bread and butter mm. and she hasn't won any awards at this point she's won zero awards and she's like there are mainly they identify she identified major health disparities in terms of cancer mortality rates between inner city minority populations and the suburban populations in Cleveland. So she comes up with this concept called cultural competency. And basically it comes down to the idea was, okay, like we're going to go in and we're going to conduct focus groups with the minority populations in the inner city of Cleveland, like mm -hmm. Cleveland public housing, Cleveland public housing. Like we're going to go into East Cleveland. We're going to go in and conduct these focus groups and try to understand what are the complexities in the socioeconomic and just the lines of communication. How can we try to bridge this gap between the mortality rates and cancer of minorities in the inner cities and the suburbs? And, and I would almost say that well, I'm assuming that there was a correlation. Huge correlation. Like, exactly. And so she, and like, so growing up, like the late nineties through like leading up into high school, like that was what she did. Like, and that's when she started win winning Emmy awards. Like that was her first Emmy award was because then she would basically create programming as the result of, these focus groups yeah Miller that and then like it would get broadcast as like a special on channel five in cleveland and so that would and it, like that was like the education portion of it and trying to reach the masses and she's like that's huge so that's what she wins her first emmy award for and i'm like you literally won your emmy when you were just trying to like do something really good in the community and you weren't so like that stuck out to me like that's been a huge development process like as i've gone into coaching is like how can i like how can i just one get a really unique experience that's going to force me to grow but then two exactly. how can i actually like use this to impact people positively so COVID hits and all of her friends they're all at home and like her assistant who had like helped like her assistant she owned her own production company when she was doing this and it mm -hmm. had been all through the national cancer institute and her assistant ended up being like the director of the scoreboard for the browns the the guy who did all the audio has like done all the survivors and nfl Damn. film and so like you're talking about like all these people who are crazy talented and they're like hey like let's do this for COVID like let's take the exact same thing let's utilize zoom 
let's utilize technology and like let's create something about like COVID. Yeah. In the same communities. And it's funny because a year ago, after the 2019 season, I had gone home for like for the off season. And I was like, Hey, like this is an opportunity for me to just go home. Like I still had my apartment in Arizona, Yeah. I, but I was like, I'm going home. I'm going to spend the winter there. Like I can hang out, hang out with my mom. I haven't done that in a while. And she was leaving. She had been at um, NPR, WBIZ Cleveland idea stream for 10 years as a producer. Mm. And she was leaving. Like, okay. Like what am I going to do next? And she was actually in the process of getting a job at, um, in Philadelphia with the American Association of Cancer Research, I think. I think I got that right. But she, so she puts like that job on hold. So like she's at home. She's just a go, go, go home. like creator. That is awesome. She's pretty, so she, so they create this COVID show like mm-hmm. all through social media and all that. But when she had began like realizing, okay, like I'm going to move on, she got, she, like one of like the community leaders in in Cleveland had said, "Hey, like we have a con- like the Black Shield, which is the Cleveland police. The Black Shield is like the charity organization for mm-hmm. Black Cleveland officers. They want to get more involved in youth sports in the city of Cleveland. Your son's a baseball coach, right? Like, what would his interest level be?" And I go, and she's like, "I, oh, you know, I can talk to him." And I'm like, "Okay, like that's my mission, like." Off season, following the 2020 season, I'm going to come home and like really try to dive into. I'm really going to try to dive into like how can we create something in the inner city of Cleveland? And she, because like at this point, spring training is coming up too quick. Like I don't yeah. have time. And so COVID hits and I'm like, and like let's be real, by early June, like I'll never forget, like I drove back to Arizona to pack up the rest of my apartment realizing like there's not going to be a minor league season. I'm breaking my lease and I'm driving home from Arizona with all of my life belongings in the back of my Ford fusion. We upgraded from the Nissan Sentra to the Ford fusion. Ooh, big jump. Yeah. It was big time. We had the backup camera, the Bluetooth, like, Ooh. We, were going, like we were going places. Powered windows and all. We were literally going home to move it back in with mom full time collecting unemployment at 30 years old. My birthday was June 8th and I'm like, and I'm spending my birthday, my 30th birthday, driving across the country with all of my belongings in my car. And I'm like, who? I'm winning life right now. Hey, life's crazy. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm winning life. But like in my head, I'm having like the Charlie Sheen winning me more (laughs) so than Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. And I'm like, okay, like we have to reframe this. Like we've got to come up with something. And I go, but my mom's like, what about this youth, like, you know, the inner city idea? Like, what about that? I'm like, huh, if we reframe this, now I get the Shia LaBeouf meme of like to just do it. Like remember when he like went crazy and like did yeah, that whole just video? Like, just- do it. <laughs> so I get that in my head. I'm like, okay, like let's do this. And where do I start? So I hit, I DM Matt Kata, who mm. was the Indian 
manager of youth development. And Matt, it's funny because like, I just read Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, and he talks about like experiences, right? Like, Like he's chased experiences and like all these experiences keep adding up and one experience leads to the next and like everything ends up tying in together. Matt Cata is from Avon Lake, Ohio. He's older than me. Turns out he's back home living in Avon Lake, Ohio. And I remember 10 year old, I remember 10 year old me sitting at home watching sports center before elementary school one day. And they're like, yeah, you know, Matt Cata, he's, they're showing the Diamondbacks highlights. They're like Matt Cata from Cleveland, Ohio, it's his first career home run. And that was like, big leaders don't come from Cleveland. <laughs> like big players don't come from Cleveland, Ohio. It's a cold weather city. We play football. The dream is, you know, you go play football, you're going to go play at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. But like, so like young me, seeing that like that cemented baseball like he showed me it was possible so i dm him and he's like hey let's meet for coffee and i go okay so we meet it we meet for socially distanced coffee at panera bread and he goes look like with covid like there's not much officially happening but corey douglas is who he He's the pitching coach at Mountain Union University. Mm-hmm. He's been coaching the Cleveland RBI team for years. He's kind of doing his own thing. And it's like, I don't know. I can connect you guys. I don't know exactly what he's doing. Like, there's no official involvement from MLB, the Indians. Like, so I call Corey and I go, hey, Corey, like, I introduce myself. And Corey, like, just gives it, like, Corey just keeps it real. He's like, dude, not going to lie. Like, this is literally like we're just trying to patch together a season for what is not like what is normally the cleveland indians rbi team yeah and all the turf complexes like the indians and mlb like they've all like there's really great facilities in cleveland for like city of cleveland kids to utilize in the summer and like that's where they normally practice. That's where they play. They get to, they play in all these tournaments around around Northeast Ohio. So they're they're in Corey's like, look, dude, I'm just trying to give these kids a season. Like all the teams we normally play are playing. All the tournaments we normally play in are happening. I'm just trying to give these kids a season. He paid for everything out of his pocket. Dang. And he's like. So if you want to join us, my only request is like, you got to keep showing up. I'm like, dude, I'm in. Like, I got nothing going on. I am Charlie Sheen right now, winning. Like, <laughs> 30 years old, unemployed, collecting unemployment. Like, I got nothing, like, I got nothing better to do. Like, let's go. Like, this has been a mission. And my mom the whole time is like, Tyler, like, this is cultural competency. Like, you're getting an opportunity to walk the walk. Like you're getting an opportunity to like really get into this and like see what it's about. Mm-hmm. And so because all the turf fields were closed, like we were practicing on a city park and it was semi prohibition because like 
no organized anything was supposed to actually be happening in the city. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Which was like weird because you go 10 minutes in any direction and all these travel teams with like a million elites in their name are operating like normal. And you're like, this is just not right. So it's not fair. I mean, that is, and, and there's a lot. Oh shit. Hold on. My, that's my watch just decided to almost call the cops. Weird. Oh, where'd you go? Hold up. Hello. He disappeared. Whoa. Okay. You good? Yeah, dude. That was that was a weird little uh series of events so my watch all of a sudden decides to uh it wants to call the cops because i was holding the side down or something and then so that went off and then i looked at the computer and that was done i'm like what's happening holy crap okay we're good okay right, so, go ahead um so yeah cory cory douglas he's like we're practicing like he pretty much told me to do like where the race riots were in Cleveland, like the first two weeks of practice, like all that was happening. Like we got to, like there was a whole like plan on like, yeah, how we can get, how he, like how everyone was going to get out if those got too close. Like that's how Cleveland we truly were. Like, and it was true, like inner city. And then the coolest part of this team was like, it wasn't just inner city kids. It was predominantly inner city, but like he deliberately went and tried to get kids from all backgrounds to create this. Yeah, so it's a, this it's a mixed, pot. yep. And it was like it ended up being the greatest. Like I like I look back and I go, you know, like COVID was a huge, like COVID sucked, but it gave me this unique opportunity because yes. now. Like I never would have gotten to truly spend an entire season embedded with an inner city team and seeing like exactly like what that's like. And like, I mean, every field we showed up at, you are like, we were the most diverse team and you're going and playing on all these fields. And like, remember a kid from another team being like, I've never, Cleveland has a huge Latin American population. Um, I mean, we had Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. Oh yeah. Like Puerto Rican, Dominican Republic were both like, and I remember a kid on an opposing team going like, I've never actually met anyone who didn't speak English as their first language. Like this is the first like true Latin American Dang. person I've ever met. And on the flip side too, like, on the flip side too, like you dealt with jokes, right? Like, yeah. Like you're dealing with these jokes of like, oh, where's Francisco Lindor? Where's Jose Ramirez? Where's so and so? 
they're like, dude, do you even realize like what that, cause we were just, we were using like the uniforms, even though, cause like we needed uniforms. Yeah. So we're using the uniforms that like would normally be worn in a normal year by the RBI team. Like, do you realize what that patch stands for? Like that RBI patch on the side, do you realize what that is? Like, this isn't like, this is like, these are Cleveland public schools. Like this isn't, this isn't. This isn't like the elite, elite, I mean, players. Like it's, it's the, the city giving these kids like, and say, cause you guys like gave these kids like an opportunity to play. And that's yeah, huge. Corey, that is amazing. But they would not have had a season if Corey doesn't go, you know what, I'm just going to pay for everything out of pocket. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's and, huge. And through it though, like we start like as the summer goes on, we start getting better. Mm-hmm. It froze again. It froze again. Okay, we're good. Dude. All right. So, uh, no, like, like, as the summer progresses, we continue to get better. Like mm-hmm. we, start, we start winning and like, it's cool. Like you start seeing like this very diverse group of young men come together and like the story, like the stories, like it's 18 and under. So some of them, like one of the kids had been at Sinclair community college and like they dropped their baseball programs. Like he's playing to try to like. That's like to, to get reps in. Yeah. Another kid is like, you know, like, hey, like I was going to go here, but they dropped their program. And like these kids are dealing with like real life. Like, so it's humbling. And you, you start to, it puts it in perspective. And like, I'll never forget. Like, so we ended up playing our second to last tournament. Like we're, we're in the semifinals and we're down to a team and like they have a bunch of college commits and they have an indoor facility and they practice all winter together. And like, they all have hitting lessons and like Cleveland public schools don't even have like strength coaches necessarily for like, these kids don't even have access to strength coaches. Like you ask a lot of these kids, Hey, like, where'd you learn to hit? And they're like, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. They're like YouTube. Like you're literally like one of the first times I've had consistent access to somebody who like actually knows about hitting. And I'm like, well, and it made number one, it made me a better coach. Like we're practicing on this city park with it kind of like, bases. I would think, it would it would bring a lot of like the aspects behind it into like like perspective that like it breaks it down to like the bare minimum on how to do something rather than worrying about like if you have this bat or if you ha- have these gloves or all that 
it, no, hundred percent. So like, that's where it made me a better coach because like now I had to be creative. Like, okay, like what kind of hitting circuit can we make? We don't have a batting cage. We just yeah. have this portable L screen so we hit BP on the field, but like, and like I'm on unemployment. I'm like, okay, you know what? If I go to Dick's, I can get like a med ball. I can get this. I can get some wiffle balls. I can get, and I'm like, okay, like 200 bucks. Like, what can I get? I guess I can afford 200 bucks. Probably a bad financial investment, but we're okay. Like, and so like we're like we're in the semifinals of this our second to last tournament. We play. We're playing this team, and it's seventh inning high school rules right you're only playing seven innings and like we're down we're, we're losing and you're kind of like oh like yeah this is it like these, you, it was the first time like these kids were like believing like we can win this tournament we can be we can leave this tournament as champions and anthony kemmer like i'll never forget this the kid hits a home bases loaded like you're like okay like Kid hits a home run and like the team goes berserk. Like he hits grand second. Team goes berserk, puts us ahead. It's like we're gonna win this tournament. That's and crazy. Like you look like you look at the dugout though, and you see like these Latin these inner city Latin American kids, and you have some a couple kids from the suburbs, you have African American kids, you like just this entirely eclectic, diverse group. And it's just like one heartbeat, one team. Like, yep. you know, like the one kid, like he walks on a, and it's a pass ball. We have a runner on second and the runner on second is like running hard. And the catcher can't find the ball. And so like he ends up scoring from second on a walk. That was a wild pitch. And like the kid who would walk, he realizes the catcher doesn't know where it is. He knows it's a pass ball. So he's running hard and he takes second. Like he was like, <laughs> that was like the dynamic that was at play and you're like this is baseball man like this yes. is yep we were playing baseball and like hey like run around second like run around second nobody out like there's no way we're not gonna move them like especially in high school right like a wild pitch pass yep. ball it could be an anything run. like that's an easy run and like or run around third less than two outs like we're going to like, we're going to find a way to put a ball in play or like we get down to two strikes. Like, Hey, if we strike out, like it's okay. Like strikeouts are going to happen, but like, we're gonna, like how many pitches are you going to battle off before you strike out? Like you yep. just be like the toughest one through nine. And it was just incredible. You see like this group come together and you see this group come together and form this one heartbeat. And this one group of like cohesive unit where they're truly like, and I mean, you have kids speaking Spanish to play like other kids who don't speak any Spanish and like they, un somehow they understand each other completely. Hey, and see, cause that's like the best. I mean, it's, it's, cause I played with, uh, I saw a buddy who's from uh, Venezuela and yeah. I mean like, even though like he spoke like a different language, like you still like understood because it's in baseball, t like terms and talk. It's just like, I mean, like when you're on that field, it doesn't matter like where you're from. I mean, it's, it's baseball. And that's what I love about it, the sport. And I mean, like, and I think that's what like, 
where like I talk about like my mom and her being such an influence, like her art, like her artistic process, like even music, like her artistic process, like that connects us as human. Like exactly. How, how do you, and like the game does that, like you have defining moments of the game and like it becomes such like whether you're a fan or you're an athlete or you're a player, like so many of these things become like defining, like they parallel and correlate with like moments in your life. Yes. Like, I mean, like you grow up in Cleveland, it's like, okay, like when the Cavs won the NBA championship, you remember exactly where you were. Yep. Like you remember, you know, and like those, like one of my first memories is like the Browns moving and Cleveland Municipal Stadium getting blown up. And um, so like sports, like sports is, can be such a powerful, powerful social cohesive thing where it doesn't matter who you are. And like exactly. that, and I think as I reflect back on like, what has 2020 been and like, what's this COVID experience been? I go, man, like, this gave me this opened my this gave me the opportunity to have my eyes open and my the opportunity yep. to get this experience and like that's changing and so like as I kind of like like when you said hey like you want to come on this podcast and like talk about your story I'm like okay what do I really want to talk about I'm like like I I'm like you know like as a young coach right now it seems like every like resumes are really just bullet points right like yep yeah, but they, and we talked about it earlier they don't talk about the story between the bullet points and those experiences yeah i would say because they're they're oh i mean because those bullet points aren't there just because i mean because they're there because you did something along the way to get there exactly and, just, and i'm like just like an award so like i guys I was thinking about this I'm like you know like especially now like you have so many certifications right like hey I'm gonna get like can I even be a hitting coach right now if I don't have like these five certifications in my Twitter profile and my Instagram profile I don't know not though like if that's like like but like the reality is it's like okay like what are you doing with these things what are you doing with these like how are you applying your experiences? How are you applying like this base, like certifications and like continuing education and learning, like they're really important. Like they help you meet like this baseline standard, but it's yep. like, okay, how are you applying this? And then as I thought about it more and more, I think like the one thing that I've always approached everything with, and, like this is what has led like every job leading to the next, leading to the next is like, I've never really chased specific titles or specific teams or anything. Like what yeah, I've chased. Just like, open-minded, man. That And so like, that's where I was like, um, Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey's book. Like if you get the audio book, by the way, he narrates it himself. Oh, he does? So, I yeah. think here. So like you're. I'm going to write that like down actually. Being in a rom-com it's like being in a rom-com slash lincoln commercial all in one for an entire book Ooh. 
And, but I'm like, so I'm like listening to this and he's talking about like the experiences and like green lights being like the metaphor he uses, like, Hey, like through, like, as you travel through life, like you're getting these opportunities for experiences and like, it's just like driving through traffic, right? I'm trying to go from point A to point B. I get there quicker if I hit a series of green lights. Yeah. And I'm hmm, like, so I'm like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I got it. Like, I know what I'm going to talk about now. Like, and like, I think like my takeaway, like when I think, like when I was like, thinking about, okay, like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, my, like the takeaway message truly should be like, chase these experiences, chase. Exactly. If you're a young coach, if you're a young coach who's just getting started, like, yeah, learn all you can get all the certifications you can become as like educated as possible, but go out and coach, go out yep. and do it and go, but go out, don't like go try to be like the, fifth GA at an SEC school. Don't try to like, don't like chase like that, that, that logo mm -hmm. on what, whatever you're going to be wearing. Go out chasing like, where can I create the biggest impact and like actually coach? Exactly. Like, and so like I look at, I look at like the inner city thing and it's like, okay, you have, you have baseball, but you also have softball. Like some of the best coaches I know that like I lean on and like, will like talk hitting with are softball coaches. Like, because they have a completely different, they have, a, they have a, they can train entirely different. So like I was at Mississippi state in 2014 as a GA and I've always kept an eye on Mississippi State. And um, their head coach, Samantha Ricketts, like, they've been one of the top offensive teams in the country the last few years. And, like, then you look at them, and, like, they have two hitters, Fale Lua and Mia Davidson, and they're hitting home runs and producing at a rate of, like, if they it's were – unreal. If they were men – Yeah. We'd be like, hey, like they have two top five round pick, like they have two top five picks in their lineup, like. Which this is, is like that's rare. I mean, but because it's softball, like it doesn't get. And I'm like, it, it's overlooked, like by everyone else. But like in the industry, you're like, holy shit, like that, 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 that's a gold mine. And like, so like, what made it even more unique is like, you start watch like so I start like watching some of their games and. Fa, Lua and Mia Davidson are completely different types of hitters. Like, if you were going to, like, the bucket hitters, right, like, of, like, what hitting style? Because, like, yep. I look at it, too. I'm like, as a professional hitting coach, as a, somebody who's in the team environment, like, I really only care about, like, creating – like, how do we create hitters that are going to win games offensively? Like, how are we going to score more runs on the scoreboard than the other team? Like, and I don't get a – like, I'm not in the scouting department. I'm not in the front office. Like, I've got to be able to work with – What you have. The, I have to be very well-rounded. I have to be able to speak 
every individual hitter's language. And like, as a professional coach, you don't know, like, it's like, you can't, you can't have one size fits all for hitting. And then especially at the higher levels, everyone has gotten there by totally different ways. So you have to learn quick. Yeah. You have to be able to speak all these different hitting languages. Yeah. And connect with each individual hitter so that we can go out and create the best one through nine. And then that manifests, manifests itself into like, especially being in Arizona, like when you throw in like guys rehabbing and like instru- instructional leagues, spring training, like you're working with like at least 50, at least 50 hitters in a year. And like, this is their careers at stake. Like, this is how yep. they feed themselves. This is how they put food on the table for their families. Like, it's a lot of responsibility. They, so, like, responsibility, like, yeah, that's a good way to, like, I've, I've always, like, viewed it as, like, this is, like, how they feed their families. Like, this is what they do, just like this is what I do. Like, I owe it to them to do my, like, be yeah. able to do whatever they need to be the best versions of themselves. I can see that. And so like my fine, like my big like takeaway, like, as I was thinking about this was like, go out and go find like, if, like as a young coach, like, go out and go find opportunities to where like, you're actually going to get to coach and like succeed and fail, but like go to the places that, people don't want to go like go be to the place. uncomfortable. That is one of the biggest get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. Like get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, um, like just be super uncomfortable being uncomfortable and go like, Hey, like if, if your city has a really strong, like youth and high school inner city baseball program, like, what about softball? Like, go yep. start, like, go put yourself in a position to, like, go coach, wear that responsibility of, like, how, how do these hitters actually perform? Mm-hmm. And go do it and, like, get noticed by, like, get noticed and, like, get your additional opportunities by, like, saying, hey, like, you know, we're this inner city team from like Cleveland Metropolitan School District and we had five division one commits. And like before that, like there was the last five years combined, there was none. Like go out and do something like that. And just because if like, just like, and don't limit it to just baseball. Think like, okay, can I go do it? Could I do it in softball? Like where are the opportunity, where are the unique opportunities to gain these unique experiences? And that's where my mind just, completely goes all the time. Well, no, that, that, that's a very important and very important statement. I mean, because say we hit on it a little bit earlier, like when I said, uh, you gotta be like the open-minded part. It's the same con same concept. You, uh, because no one, I mean, it, if you're really comfortable doing what you're doing, then it it's not, I would say it's not effective, but 
just being the open-minded and then just trying to figure out ideas and doing them. That's like one of the best things that someone can do. No, hundred percent. It's like, if I had gone into, if I had showed up at that city park this summer for the very first time saying, Hey, like, I don't know how to coach without these technologies, right? Like, Hey, like I need my, I need the rap. So do I need the blast? I need K best. Like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do it, but like, yeah. so it's like, Hey, like, and like that, and that's another thing I have t- talking to another coach who's younger. He's like, you know, like one of the conundrums you run into as a young coach is like, you interview for a job and like, they're wanting people with experience with these technologies. And well, like I'm trying to get this job because I want to get experience with these technologies because I'm at a place where it's like, okay, learn the technology, like learn what it means, but then say, okay, like how can I apply some of these concepts? And like, how can I learn the technology without having access to the technology? And like, be really creative because you're going to learn way more that way. Like be innovative more out of that experience. And I think that's like, at the end of the day, like, like my story is my story. Like it, every single one of us has a very unique story. Like I think every single one of us and we all like have our challenges. We all have like our high moments, our low moments, but like, at the end of the day, it comes down to like, how am I leveraging all those experiences into something meaningful? And like, how can I take those experiences and just transition them into something really, really productive? And like, that's what, I think that's really like what it comes down to is like, don't make excuses. Like, excuses are just complaints described as lies to yourself about why you can't do something like exactly just go out and do it like just make the decision like you know what i'm gonna go out and do this and like and so even like with slut like even with slugfest like i look at it right now and i go how can this be more impactful like what is the point of having all these major league teams sending like all their staffs here. Like, what's the point? Like, those are the same people we see all year. Yep. Like around Arizona, around, or if you're a team, if you're with a team in Florida, like, like, like the spirit of it. Like I started with the mindset of like, how do I help create opportunities and provide good information to the young version of me or like even like players directly even like I mean how do and so now like my mind shifts to okay like how do I merge this like this inner city like this summer made it obvious to me like really going into the inner city thing like how could we create more for inner city kids Mm -hmm. but then I mean, like in Cleveland, like in Cleveland right now, it's like, okay, like, can we get these guys like access to consistent hitting and throwing? Like it's a cold weather city. 
it snows. Like, can we get them access, consistent access to an indoor? Okay. And like Matt Cada even hit me with a question for summer when we were meeting at the end of it, he's like, okay, dude, how do you scale this? And I go, who? Yep. He's like, you can't be the guy in the whole time. Like, I still have like my, like, I want to coach in the big leagues. I want to continue to try to see like, can I become the best version of myself by helping players become the best versions of theirs? themselves but like when it comes to slugfest i'm like how can i like so that's where my mind goes and it just it all just keeps circling back to like yeah, how those how can you do both i would say exactly and yeah like that's what i'm working like that's one of the things that i'm spending like a lot of my free time on is like, okay, like how do we continue to, because the, like we talk about growing the game, we talk about trying to like attract the top athletes. Like how, how do we not lose the best athletes to football? How do we not lose the best athletes to basketball? It's like, we just gotta get like guys playing baseball. And like that starts grassroots, like yep. starts grassroots and it starts with the youth and like that and so like even moving to pittsburgh when chase was pitching this pittsburgh idea he's like dude because we forget too like i grew up in avon lake ohio my mom gave me every opportunity we didn't have money enough like we didn't have the money to pay for all like if i was playing travel baseball right now my rbi would be my only option yeah like it, the cleveland rbi team it costs so much to play baseball now. And that's a it's big ridiculous. problem. And I go like, like I look at it and I go, okay. Like if I was growing up right now, I would not be able to play what I like in this environment. Like we couldn't afford it. So, and I think that's like the last, like that's what like really drives the hammer home is like, I was that kid. I was just lucky enough to be in the right situation to where I didn't have to, like, I was able to get the right opportunities, but those green lights, like I was, yeah, I was able to get those green lights, but like now how do I make sure like, Hey, we turn this around and continue to give those green lights to the next generation because that's, See, that's, I think that a lot of people should start focusing on that. I mean, it's, I mean, cause there's always the, the generation like under us who will all always be coming up. And that's a tough question. Yeah, like, I mean, like Chase, so like when we were even talking about this facility, Chase is like, dude, you realize like Butler County, like it's a rural County. Like, I'm like, okay. Like, you know, when we're talking about like the business plan for this facility and like, I go back to like, we're like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia hanging out because like we have a blast, but at the same time, we're like, no, like we're going to run this very affordable. Like we want to run this in a way that like it, it is affordable for anybody. And like that could be inner city Pittsburgh or that could be rural 
single parent home. Yeah. Um, like Butler County, Pennsylvania. Like, and I think like that's what is making this whole, like everything's tying together and it's just so fulfilling at this point. Like, I mean, and obviously like going to, like going out to instructs and like getting to be back with the guys and like getting that opportunity was like, it was a blast. Like just getting to like return to some normalcy. But at the end of the day, like I ended like thinking like, as I think back on like what is 2020 and like it changed the definition of normal. Like, and we've heard how many times we've heard like the new normal. And I'm like, the new normal is like, you know what? Like I have what I do, but then like my hobby, my, like my hobby and like how I choose to spend my free time, my off season, it changed. Gonna be, it changed. Like it's going to be, how can I try to continue to give the best opportunity? Like, that's why I love like working like these, we, we do all group instruction. Like we don't do any, like we do some, like there's some lessons, but it's like all like group thing. And like, even that in itself is like an opportunity, right? Like now you have a whole staff of coaches in this facility. We got to stay on the same page and how oh, you yeah. the kids. So like, Mike, that's another green light right there. Right. Like I'm going, okay. Like how do we tie this together? And like, okay. Cause like what do I want, I want to be a hitting coordinator one day. I want to then become a big league hitting coach. Like step one. Okay. Like how do you like tie together a staff and make sure you're getting this consistent message across like this kid's going to these hitting groups, but he might going through the circuit. He he's every single one of us who works there is going to work with you as a hitter every time you come in there. So like, how do we get that consistent message? And then it's hard to go to different people that have different ideas. And then it's like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, do I do it this way? Do it, do I do it this way? And that's tough. That's tough. Like that's at the end of the day, like, if anybody takes anything from this podcast, it's just like, go find the unique opportunities for competitive advantage. Like, and you're, because your competitive advantage can be going to places where nobody else really wants to go. Oh, yeah. And if you're really good at what you do and you put in the time and you put in like everything you have into it, you're, you, you're putting yourself in a position to be successful. So like, I, like, I think that's even like what stood out about like, would you explain load basis to me? I'm like, this is cool. Like this dude is literally like doing what I did with Slugfest. Like he's going out and just saying, screw it. I'm going to do it. Yep. So yeah. Well, dude, you are kicking ass. You are, dude, there's bright future. No, like, I I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on and, like, kind of share this. And, like, these are the things that are going through my head on, like, any given day. And um, I've been, I I told you, like, when we were texting about this, I'm like, I've been thinking about, like, how do I start sharing this? Yeah. And... Yeah, because there is no, I mean, like, and then, like, as you asked, like, for, like, kind of, like, the outline for it, like, dude, there is no (laughs) outline. It just goes. No, 
like it happened like you just start figuring it out like yep like i go back to like that's life though that's like exactly the life experience at its core like you don't like there's no set there's no outline label. for life you just exactly okay well, you know like that's what i think really resonated with matthew Connie's book this year especially i'm like i need to read that for sure it, i'm like and you like because you look at like how he reinvented himself mid-career mm-hmm. right like he went from rom-coms to dallas buyers club magic mike and like he changed like the narrative around who he was as an actor and i'm like you know you, you and like even my mom like you morph like music right like you see artists like as they go through life like we all remember taylor swift when she was country country first yeah. coming up about her high school boyfriends and then like now she's a pop star and making songs about like social justice and like equality and you're like it uses platforms and so like i think we all like as humans we all evolve and it's like are we constantly evolving and like where are we going with with that and like change is good that's where like dude kudos to you for just like having the guts to say you know what like why not start a podcast and see what happens because like well i appreciate it man for sure it and I think like it's a really, really cool format that like, cause I transactional versus transformational, like dynamics, right? Like the transactional one is at A plus B plus C equals D formula. Yep. And transformational is like, you don't really know what you're going to get. Yep. And so let it flow. Oh like, it, yeah. That's it, it. That's definitely one of the, one of the things that I wanted to do with this. I mean, so like if I don't know like what the outcome is going to be, usually I say, screw it and I'm going to do it. I'm like, but then again, sometimes I get like in my head and then like anxiety sets in. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But nine times out of 10, I'll just do it because then anxiety doesn't happen. So, no, I mean, I mean the fact that you even use the word anxiety. Oh, dude, yeah. Like I've done like that, yeah. Like that's something you look around the world and like how much has happened this year. And I'm like, I'd be lying to you if I'm like, I didn't have like I wasn't in some dark places at moments where you're questioning like your entire future and you're having anxiety of like what am I gonna be doing? Like this is all I like, this is all I know. Like being a baseball coach is all I know. Like, I don't know how to like go get a real job. And like, then you throw in like all the different dynamics at playing professional baseball. And you're like, like, you know what? At some point you got to rip the bandaid off and just be like, Hey, you know what? Like, yep. yeah, like, this isn't easy. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, I do wake up at three in the morning sometimes wondering like, what's going to happen but then like you st- like at some point like the sun rises your day starts and there's you just keep- there's things that i mean i've kind of learned that you can't 
you can't worry about stuff that you can't control. And once that, like, once you figure that out, days go smoother. 